on his very first day working as an intern in a psych ward, John Trent was assigned this duty. They said, you see that young man sitting over there? And he looked over and there was a, a young man who looked to be in his early 20s, tall, good-looking. They said, sit by him and never leave his side for your entire shift. He's on 24-hour suicide watch. So John went over and sat with this young man. And trying not to stare too much at the bandages on his wrists, he got to know him. The young man was actually very smart. He had had straight A's all throughout high school and then through his first three years of college. And then in the fall semester of his senior year, he finally took a PE class that he'd been putting off. And in that PE class, uh, while he was taking it, he got the flu. And he missed so many sessions of the class that the professor had to mark him down to a B. So he went in and he said, you don't understand, I really got to have an A. Is there any way I could do extra credit to bring this grade up? And the, the instructor said, no, it doesn't work like that. So he said, well, can I drop the class? I'll just take it again in the spring. They said, no, it's, sorry, it's too late in the semester to drop. So he went back to his dorm room, and there he tried to take his life. And he would have succeeded had his roommate not suddenly and unexpectedly returned to the room. And John got to know this young man. He said, you know, my dad is a brilliant engineer. He got straight A's all through school. And he always wanted me to get straight A's all through school. I've tried so hard to please him. Now, what that young man so desperately longed for, what he wanted more than anything in the world, is something that I think you and I, if we were honest, would say, we also long for that. It's called the blessing. Oh, if we could just be loved, if we could be known, if we could be affirmed and called out and named and honored, if we could just bring joy and happiness to that person who means so much to us, if we had that, everything would be all right. If we had the blessing. Where do you find the blessing? Now, some of you, you were given a lot of blessing by your parents, and what a rich treasure that is to bring into life. But no matter how good that was, it's limited because parents are limited, right? In my own case, my dad never received the blessing from his dad. And so, like so many men of his generation, he thought he could find it in work, in my career. If I just work really hard, if I work harder than anybody else, if, if I move up and, and really make something of myself in this career, then, then the people above me, the, the vice presidents, usually in his generation it was all men, they who are older, they will then bless me. They will then affirm me. They will say that I matter and, and, and I will finally receive the blessing. And because he was so intent on that quest, his own quest for the blessing, he was at work a lot. And so I came into adulthood not feeling blessed, but feeling longing. 
this kind of absence so real you could touch it. So I ask you this morning, where will you find the blessing? People think they'll find it in a lot of places. Sometimes, maybe you've seen this, a a friend of yours will get into a relationship, and even though you're kind of saying, I'm not sure he's really good for you, she can't let it go because she she knows and thinks in, in this heart, underneath there's this drive that says, Maybe he'll tell me who I am. Maybe he'll love me. Maybe he'll name me. Maybe he'll affirm me. Maybe I'll finally get the blessing from him. And it doesn't work. Some, some parents try to find it in their children. Oh, if, if only you'll turn and bless me. You know, and some, some people try to find it in, in success of one kind or another. Where will you find the blessing? I'm here to tell you good news. There is a place you can find the blessing. But there's only one. There's only one place. And I want to show you that to you this morning. Would you turn in your bulletins there to Mark 1? As this scripture comes to us this morning, Jesus is about 30 years old. He's just on the cusp of his adult work in life. That time when you go out into the world and you need that blessing. And his cousin, John, has been baptizing people. And it said in Mark 1, a few verses before this, that all of Jerusalem, all of Judea has gone out to John. And what is that? That has meant is that literally thousands of people have done this. They've come to the side of the Jordan River, stood up on the bank, and then when it was their turn, they walked down the steps, kind of down the bank, into the muddy Jordan River, stood there, publicly confessed their sins, and then John baptized them. Then they turned around and walked back up, and it was the next person, person after person, day after day, thousands of people, and only one did this happen to. Mark 1, verse 9. Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. But as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart. He saw the heavens splitting apart. Now, let's stop right there. This isn't like the heavens opened like a door that then is going to swing closed again. This is like if I took that curtain right there and I just went like that. Because when you split apart, it's never going back together. This is the final answer to Isaiah's prayer. Oh, God, that you would just split apart the heavens and come down. And God's saying, I am right now, right here. I'm splitting apart the heavens and I'm coming down to earth to to meet the needs of my people in Jesus and on Jesus and for Jesus. And it's irrevocable. It's permanent. The heavens are permanently opened. And now with this curtain torn in two, we can kind of peek through and get this intimate look at the, at the very nature of God, you've got Jesus, God the Son incarnate, standing there in the Jordan River. And then, verse 10, the Holy Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, just kind of fluttering down. And Jesus sees that, and John the Baptist also recognizes that. And 11, and then a voice from heaven, the Father, speaks. The Son, the Father, the Spirit. We get this peek into the intimacy of God, this power in the center of the universe. And what do we find out about God? Is God some sort of cold, 
dark and personal power. No, God is this community of love that is so overflowing with love and blessing that the Father can't help himself. A voice from heaven just has to cry out, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. You make me so happy. That's what's at the heart of the universe. Right there. Oh, friends. Uh, it's been said that, you know, Scripture is kind of like God's native language. And in this blessing that the Father gives the Son, he, he's actually using three different verses that help name Jesus and tell him who he is and what his mission is, is in life. He says, you are my son. That comes, comes from Psalm 2, the psalm of the royal king. And what, what the Father's saying is, you're the royal king. You're my son. And then where it says... My dearly loved son, that comes from Genesis 22, where God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love. And the father's saying, you're my only son. There's no one like you. I'm focused on you. And then, who brings me great joy, that's a a reference to Isaiah 42, where it says, behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, who brings me great joy. It says, you're a servant who will suffer to bring about my purposes and plan. Do you see? You're the royal king. You're you're the only son. You, You are the suffering servant. This is your mission and your destiny, and I bless you now to go fulfill it. Oh, friends, John the Baptist was amazing. Jesus said, of all the humans who ever lived, he's the most amazing. He's the greatest. But he never got this. Not like this. Do you see that this blessing is so profound and so overwhelming that it marks Jesus as absolutely unique? The blessing is there. The blessing is in Jesus. Now, some of you, you've been considering, you know, Christianity, and maybe Christians have told you, well, you know, Christianity is kind of like a life insurance policy. You may die someday, and you don't want to go to hell, so sign here. And it's as exciting to you as buying a life insurance policy would be. Well, I guess I should. I don't know. I, I really hope I don't get to the point where it pays out. You know? <laughs> no. Do you see that to, to, to be blessed in this way, to be affirmed, loved, named, and known by the God who created you and loves you, that's life itself. That's Christianity. Why would you not step into that right now? Now, Can I just ask you to imagine what your life would be like if you were to experience the blessing, the life-giving and transforming affirmation of God? First thing I'll tell you is that if you have the blessing, if you live in that, you have the capacity to deal with difficult situations. Right after these verses, here's what happens next. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, read, rocky, barren desert, looks like the surface of the moon, where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. See, you can survive in a desert when you have the blessing. You can be hungry and survive the blessing. You can be, uh, survive if you have the blessing. You, you can be lonely and survive if you have the blessing. You can be fighting the very devil of hell and make it if you have the blessing because here's what's going on for you. You're not looking to your circumstances to vote on whether God loves you. 
You see, so many of us, we go around and we're letting our circumstances vote on whether God loves us. And if the circumstances that you're in right now are bad, you go, God obviously does not love me. And if they're good, you go, maybe there is a God. Maybe. No, it doesn't work like that. See, Jesus is able to endure the desert because he's already heard. You are my beloved. You bring me great joy. That's not changing. So he can go into any circumstance and still feed on that. And I think the reason why he did not give in to temptation, apart from his knowledge of the word, of course, is that he's like, why would, even though that temptation is so incredibly powerful for me right now, I do want that bread. I do want that attention. I do want that safety. I'm not going to take it because I've got this. I've got a father who loves me, firms me, names me, blesses me, calls me. That's all I need. And I don't want anything to jeopardize that. Now, did you come here this morning and you're letting your circumstances vote on whether God really loves you? There's such a better way to live. Where if you will step into the blessing and receive the blessing of Father God saying, you're my beloved, I affirm you, you bring me such joy. That's the truth. Then you can go out into the desert sometimes, impelled by the Spirit into that difficult situation, and you're going to make it. You're going to make it because you know the truth that you're still blessed. And your circumstances don't have the power to say that to you anymore. You know, you can even handle difficult people when you have the blessing of God. I've often wondered, how did Jesus do it where people are killing him and he's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How did he do that? Well, he wasn't looking to these people to to bless him. He wasn't saying, oh, I don't know why you treat me so badly. I wish you'd think well of me. I wish you would finally make me feel good about myself. He's already got that. He's got that in the Father. So now he can take that blessing and actually bless others with forgiveness. He's, He's not looking to them. Now, some of you, I wonder, for example, are you avoiding a hard conversation that needs to be had with a roommate or a spouse or a coworker, And maybe the reason you're avoiding it is not just because it's a challenging conversation and those are hard, but because you're looking to that person to bless you. You're hoping that that person will finally give you that affirmation and blessing. And if they were to be displeased with you when you bring up this conversation, if they were somehow to not approve of you, it wouldn't just be hard. You'd be wrecked. But you see, if you have the blessing, which is right there, you can, you can then go to that person and say even very hard things if that's what's the responsible thing to do. Maybe you're a parent right now, and honestly, one reason why you're not setting kind of better boundaries around your children's behavior is because when you do, they really push you back. They kind of say, I hate you, and, and, and they, they act bad to you. And That's hard, of course, as a parent, but for you it's triply hard because you're looking to that child to affirm you and bless you and name you and say you're a great mom. That's what life's about. That's where you're looking for the blessing. So you can't have the strength to tell them, no, I'm sorry, hon. Even if you don't like me, even if you hate me, I'm going to bless you with some boundaries that will helpfully shape your life. Do you see how it works? So you go, wow, okay. I, I, I would even say this. You cannot move forward in what God wants you to do until you have the blessing. You can't. Sometimes I go to churches and I hear a sermon and I'm like, man, I think this pastor thinks God's mad at me and does not like me very much and that I'm not measuring up. Why does that come through, this meta message in the church and in this sermon? It's because he never got the blessing. See, he's not able to pass it on. 
And I'm like, oh man, it's so much better. So you go, where? How do I get the blessing? Here's how. Please stay with me on this. The Father gives the blessing to Jesus Christ the Son. That's where the blessing is. But the Father makes it available for you and for me in Jesus Christ. Now this is right here is some of the most important theology I could ever share with you. When you read the New Testament, over and over you will see this phrase, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. For example, in Romans 6, it says, those of us who are baptized are baptized in to Christ Jesus. And then in Romans 8, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The idea of this preposition is that you and I were were standing outside of Jesus. Imagine Jesus right here. He's standing in the Jordan. The heavens are opened up to him. The Spirit's coming down on him. The Father's blessing him and affirming him. And we're over here. But when we come in faith to the waters of baptism, we are actually, by God's power, placed into Jesus. And see, when you and I get placed into Jesus, then everything that's true of Jesus is true for us. This is what it means in Ephesians when it says that all the blessings of the heavenly realms are given to us when we're united to Jesus. What that means is this. When you and I are in Christ Jesus, when he comes up out of the water and the heavens are split open because God's acting on his behalf, that's true for him. Now it's true for you and me. You have permanent, ripped open access to the presence of God when you are in Christ Jesus. The Spirit descends on Jesus Christ. Well, now if I'm in Christ Jesus, that's true of me. The Spirit descends on me. I have the intimate presence and power of God available to me, living in me, living upon me. And, the, and this is it. The Father's voice that says, you are my beloved. You make me so happy. That's said to Jesus Christ. And now I'm in Christ Jesus. That's said to me. Your entire destiny, your entire life changes when you are in Jesus Christ. Can I give you a picture of that? Karen and I, many years ago, were part of a, a team that planted a church, an Anglican church, up on the North Shore of Chicago in Glenview. And while that church was still very small, just 40, 50 people, we adopted a refugee family from Rwanda. It included an older sister and a younger sister named Clementine. When Clementine was six years old, the genocide broke out in Rwanda. Her parents sent her to live with her grandparents to keep her safe. And then her grandparents were attacked, and so she and her sister Claire fled across the border and found themselves in a refugee camp in Burundi. She said, when you wake up in the morning in a refugee camp, you have no idea if you're going to eat that day. She said, if you're lucky enough to have access to water, you look at the water in your bucket and you think, how little can I use? Because to get more water is going to be five hours of walking and standing in line at a spigot to try to get more water. But at age 12, after six years of living in camps like that, she was resettled here to America, and our little church did like what Resurrection did in December and put together Good Neighbor Kit for this family. We bought pillows and sheets and knives and pots and pans and helped them get started in life. And and Clementine had not had one day of schooling. So somebody in the church started tutoring her in math, and another one started tutoring her in science, and somebody else started giving her some music lessons. And then when Claire's work schedule made it such that Claire could not even really care for her younger sister anymore, a family in that church took her in. And when she moved into that family, which was a well-resourced family on the North Shore of Chicago, all of a sudden, she had moved from ragged refugee status with a little bit of water in a bucket to 
one of the most privileged situations you can imagine. She ended up going to one of the best high schools in the country, New Trier. A year ago, she graduated from Yale, and the president appointed her to sit on the board of the U.S. Holocaust Museum. Do you see how her whole life, her whole destiny changed when she went from this in to this? And what God is inviting you and me to, he's saying, why are you walking around as a ragged refugee? I'm taking you in. I want you in my home. I want you to receive the blessing. I want you to be right here with my son, Jesus Christ, where the heavens open up. And I can say to you, you're my beloved. You're my beloved. You bring me great joy. That's God's purpose for you. That's his plan for you. Why would you, would you ever even miss it? Now, how could that be made available for you? And for me. Some of you, you used to know that. And somewhere along the line, you forgot. It used to be so tangible for you and clear. And now, I don't know, is it a life of distraction? Is it your own sin? Is it, is it I don't know. But is, you, you've lost it. You've kind of wandered away from the sense that you, you bring God the smile. Here's what I want to just offer to you pastorally as a way for you to kind of step down into the Jordan with our Lord, where the, where the favor of the Father is on the Son. One is, I, I want you to just be honest. Would you be desperate enough to be honest with yourself? I want that. I need that. I never got that. I've waited my whole life for that. I went looking for it here, here, and here. It's never done it. I want that. Would you do that today? Would you be honest with the Father? Would you, would you go get prayer with our prayer ministers who stand on either side of this room? And then would you be courageous enough to transfer your longing? Some of you, you've, you've built like a whole successful business longing for the blessing. You, you've gone after a relationship longing for the blessing. You've looked to your children who can't, they can't do that, to give you the blessing Would you be courageous enough to stop right there? To stop that for your own sake and transfer it and say, I know that the blessing of the Father is on the Son. I'm going to put myself fully into Christ Jesus. I'm going to step down into the waters with him in faith and then I'm going to look for the blessing there. I'm going to place all my longing and hope on God. Because I know that that's where the blessing is. Could you even just picture yourself right now, just kind of coming up from underwater, the waters of baptism and faith, and the the waters is dripping off your hair and running running down your face, and, and the heavens are open to you, and you're just waiting there expectantly, and you're saying, Oh, Father, would you split open the heavens for me? Would you come down and intervene in my life? Would you come to me? Father, would you send your Holy Spirit on me? Would the Spirit descend and favor me with your immediate power and presence? And, oh, Father, this is what I need and long for more than anything. I've needed this my whole life. Would you bless me? Would you say to me so deep in my soul that it just reverberates and I can hear it? And and maybe I forgot it, but now today I can be reminded that you are my beloved. And you make me so happy. You bring me great joy. Amen.